Now in the crosshairs, our weekly feature every Monday afternoon at 1230. We've got our good friends J.D. and Clay. Glad to have you guys both back in the crosshairs with me this afternoon, fellas. Hey, morning, Jay. Hey, great. I guess for me, morning for Clay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here, yeah. We've uh, we've got quite a lot to get to here in the next uh, half hour or so, so let's jump right into it. Uh, North Dakota gun bills and the uh, baiting bill. I understand there's been some movement on uh, these here. Now, JD, would you like to uh, care to expand a little bit on that for us, please? Yeah, sure. We'll go. Uh, we'll go on that baiting bill first. That's um, House Bill 1151, and actually, they're taking testimony on it, written testimony. You can submit it or through your computer or your phone here you just go to uh ndlegis.gov and you can go on there there's a tab mm -hmm. on there you can click down and punch the bill number in i think right when you get to the home page actually with your computer it'll be on the top right you can put just put in there 1151 in the year 2023 and and from there you can they'll, they'll, they'll direct you where to uh you know submit your testimony to and and then uh, we'll see how that goes, and I guess it's going to go to the vote in the, for the Senate. And then, you know, from there we'll see what happens if it passes. And I mean, I, I'm in favor of I'm in favor of banning, so I know what I'm going to be submitting on that one for sure. Okay, all right. And uh, Clay, what's what's your thoughts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get in there, get your testimony on there. That'll help push it over the edge. Uh, uh, as far as discussed this before, the baiting bill, I'm hundred percent for. I don't think it's going to hurt anything. And uh, the compromises made from the that I think are just in right now. And uh, it's going to be a great thing. I think it's a great tool. Sure. Well, it looks like we got a little bit of a little issue with Clay there, but yeah. uh, we'll work around it. <laughs> yeah. your, your internet's not working as well as you'd like it, Clay. Uh, okay, uh, here's a couple stories that uh, I know uh, J.D. had sent to us here. Uh, China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs has slammed the loose, we use that term loosely, I guess, <laughs> uh, U.S. gun policy, saying it's, a, uh, it's breeding violence around the world. Uh, mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that, J.D.? Well, I think the reason China doesn't want other countries to have guns from, from, from the United States, and yeah, I, I agree, we do export a lot of firearms and, and ammunition to other countries. Um, China doesn't like that because they want to control it and they can give armaments to whoever they want to when they'll be able to defend themselves, you know, in their country. They, they, they don't like it that we're giving um, arms to the Ukraine, and w whether you support Russia, Ukraine, or you don't really care, um, what um, Russia is just supposed to roll in there, and then Ukraine's not supposed to defend themselves because we're basically giving them, you know, all their all their weapons over there. And <laughs> I mean, private companies were sending guns over at the beginning of the the invasion there mm -hmm. um, to to help them defend themselves, which you know everybody thought it was great, including Biden. But I mean, over here, he you know people like him and and the Russians and the Chinese they don't like they don't like us exporting our weapons to countries to defend themselves. You know, so I think that's I think that's a uh, that's pretty hypocritical of them to, to say that stuff because they're their allies. I guarantee you, China exports tons of firearms and, and, and weapons to their allies, right? Oh, I bet they do. They have to. Uh, mm -hmm. Clay, what what do you think on that? Well, yeah, I, uh, China is probably. I think it's interesting that one of the most vicious communist nations is sitting there telling us that we're the horrible <laughs> people in the world when we brought more freedom, democracy. Uh, republic 
uh, sta stabilization, anything you can name, we've done more of that than any other nation in the world. China's been the worst as far as human rights violations, and then they're telling us that our guns, which, as Jamie pointed out, their Chinese-made AK-47s can be found everywhere in the world, especially in terrorist nations like Iran, yeah. Iraq, and, and others. So, yeah, that, <laughs> it, it just yeah. Kind of, it's hypocritical to hear this, but it doesn't surprise me that's what China is. Well, I mean, not only that, Clay, there's how many, how many hundreds of thousands of Chinese-made SKSs are rolling around the U.S.? I mean... Yeah. Before, um, well, right around not when 9/11 happened. I mean, you could get an SKS. I mean, if somebody doesn't know, that's the same round that that the AK-47 shoots, 7.62 by 3.9. You could buy one of those for eighty dollars, and I mean, super reliable, semi-automatic, had ten rounds in it. And China was bringing them over here by the shiploads. They didn't, they didn't mind that, you know. We were buying them here, <laughs> and yeah. they were at this UN council, and everybody there was basically. You know, telling you know, blaming the U.S. for all of this, and surprisingly, um, this administration kind of stood up to that, which I thank them for that. But I got a kick out of this. The one guy here, um, an African leader, once said that the raging war in Ukraine is now a major source of weapons that bolter ranks of terrorism in the Lake Chad region, which is in Africa. Um, well, yeah, I'll tell you what, in Rwanda, I don't know if you ever met, read the book called Machete Season. <laughs> no. Um, in two months, when there was no guns over there, 50,000 um, Tutsis were murdered by the Hutsus with machetes in two months. Mm -hmm. It took 800,000 in one year. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you worried about guns coming over there. You guys took care of business with machetes pretty good by the sounds of it to me. So, I yeah. don't, you know, when people are blaming guns for that, I can't... Uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, so when it comes down to if we're shipping off uh, military or if we're shipping off, excuse me, uh, ammunition, what does that do for us as, uh, you know, uh, sportsmen like you guys? Uh, uh, if you have problems now finding uh, ammunition, uh, is that something uh, that you're finding uh, you're running into? Well, I'll tell you, well, most of the calibers that, that they're getting, that they're shipping out probably are, are you know, like the two twenty three five five six. Um, like the NATO rounds and the 7.62 by 51, which is your, it's your civilian 308 round. I mean, we can shoot 7.62 by 51 as well. But so as far as like that, I don't think for most people it's that, that's putting too much of a dent. I mean, it is obviously using powder and brass and, and stuff like that. But I don't think for, for a sportsman or, or, you know, just a general person here that that's affecting it a whole lot. But I mean, mm -hmm. maybe Clay's got a different take on that, but that's that's kind of the way I think of it. No, I'm kind of with you, Jamie. I don't think that's really affecting mm -hmm. hunters as a whole. Tell you the truth, um, I think it's going to be that. I got to remember, NATO shoots a 5.56, not General 223. So I, I don't think it's even going to affect the AR ammunition much. It may. Um, I, I don't see it doing it a lot, though. I think it's going to be relatively. Um, it's not going to. My biggest thing is funny is that China is accusing. Again, here's a Chinese uh, a communist country talking about how we basically, we don't keep track of our ammunition. Well, that's because we have rights and fruit versus their country to track <laughs> everything, everybody, and control them. So once again, this this isn't our problem. Yeah, I think they got a bigger their hand than we do. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, this, this Wang Wenbin, the spokesman for the United Nations in China, said he argued that the, uh, America's tolerance for gun violence is creating violence. But we don't, we don't have a tolerance for guns and gun. I have a tolerance for guns because it's my right, just like I have a tolerance for free speech and anything else. 
but <laughs> I mean, we don't tolerate gun violence over here. It's yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's well, whatever country you're in, there's going to be some sort of it. So, and that term gun violence is just another mm-hmm. uh, catch term from the left. There's no such thing. Guns don't create violence. They don't do violence. I might sit back here all the time, don't even move unless I touch them, and they don't do anything violent. It's it's a it's a person. It's a it's a people problem. And let's mm-hmm. face it. Chinese is one of the most oppressed countries as far oh, as when it comes terrible. to citizens. Uh, uh, it's not our. It's not a problem. Well, the Mexican. <laughs> yeah. They were talking about the Mexican cartels having them and crime down there too. Well, guess what? Yeah, we do export a bunch of, of guns and ammo to Mexico to their military, which is where the car, one of the main sources the cartels get for their guns and ammo is their military. The uh, Mexico doesn't have um, doesn't have a gun manufacturing company. Where are they supposed to get their, their guns for their military and everything else down there? Because yeah. if they wouldn't, if we'd stop doing it, guess who would move in? I'll promise you, the Chinese move in. Hey, we got some guns for you guys. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Hey, on a on a side note, I want to ask uh, Clay: how, Did you get any snow down there this past weekend? <laughs> you know, we did. It wasn't as bad as they predicted. Yes, we'll yeah. That is a win and a, and a positive, but we—I suppose we got six to eight inches as a whole. But the wind is what killed us down here. It drifted in areas. I, I spent pretty much every day here with our big blower on the back of the tractor, blowing out hay, blowing out corrals, just getting things fed. And uh, and we started calving, which we weren't supposed to, or two weeks early. But hey, I guess uh, well, I guess we're officially started now, and everything went well. We saved the calf and on the coldest night. So yeah, I, I guess I guess we're doing okay. Well, with that being said, I know that uh, we're, I think, about nine inches or so from uh, breaking a, a, an all-time snowfall record here, at least up uh, north in the uh, uh, Bismarck Metro, Bismarck Meta Metro area. Uh, what does that do for game, that there's so much snow on the ground, whether it be upland game or just uh, uh, deer in general or whatever? What, what does it do for them to, to seek not only shelter but for food itself? It makes it tougher. There's no doubt about it. I've I've got a group of turkeys that usually hang around here. You know, I had around you know, 14, 15. I'm down to eight. Uh, I think coyotes have taken some, but I'm pretty sure that finding mm-hmm. food's pretty tough out here. I I know picking through our corrals and going through the hay and and the waste and you know grabbing grain from from the uh, cattle's feces. You know, that's just what they do. They're finding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he froze and, up and, on and us. Pheasants there. have moved in. I don't have a ton of pheasants. I have, yeah, I don't know if you can still hear me. Um, yep. We've had probably 20 to 25 birds in the yard here, which is more than I've seen probably in three years. So I hope that isn't all of them that's left. But it makes it pretty <laughs> tough. The deer seem to be managing well, but uh, the birds are taking a hit. I can. Yeah, I talked to my dad and my buddy up there too, who lives in Golden Valley, and I mean they haven't been seeing a whole lot of deer. But usually, for whatever reason, deer don't winter around our place that much. But um, pheasants still seem like they're hanging in there pretty good, even after this last storm. So they didn't get nearly as much there. I think he said they got five inches, but you know the wind blew and everything. And and um, like like Clay said, they scavenge everything. Like mule deer, I mean they'll just go and eat buckbrush leaves or they'll, they'll eat pretty much anything. I think mule deer are tougher than whitetails actually, but. Because yeah. they, they, they're bigger and it seems like they can eat just junk and grow, you know, where whitetails seem to seem to want to come in and eat the hay bales and, and get on in the corn. And, they you know, they they don't go around eating on trees too much that I've seen. But like I they're said picky before, eaters. Too, whitetails are about wiped out. 
Uh, yesterday, I did see a report on uh, uh, everybody's favorite social media outlet that uh, there was a gentleman who had saw a coyote crossing the river on the ice. Have you ever seen anything like that, a deer or anything uh, crossing a lake or something? Well, I can tell you this. There's a creek that runs oh, through our land, and um, you, oh, we see the coyotes. That's one of their main patrol areas is on the creek. You can, you can see their footprints in the snow on there all the time, I, you know, looking for whatever pheasants hanging by the creek bank there or whatever. So anything they can get, I suppose, the mice hang around there too. But, yeah, but like a big big lake or something, like ice fishing or something, no, I've never seen one, one coming across something like that. Clay? Uh, I have, especially ice fishing up there in Fort Peck. I can't tell you how many times we saw the coyotes uh, across in Fort Peck. It was kind of interesting. Uh, second year we went up, we went ahead and got our licenses so that we could snipe a few of them as they come through <laughs> their ice houses which was interesting i have seen hey, deer especially you know white tails but okay really uh, he froze up again i wonder if maybe uh if you signed out and came back in that wouldn't help there you go let's try that so yeah, uh let's go Let's try that. Let's see. Uh, let's talk about this Utah bill. Speaking of sniping, uh, Utah bill that could open unlimited year-round mountain lion hunting and uh, removing bag limits. Uh, good idea or poor attempt at conservation? Well, um, you know, reading through this, as um, it passed the House and the Senate, so they're just waiting for their governor. Um, I, I think his name is Jay Cox or something. I can't remember exactly, but... Um, yeah, they want to just because their their regular mountain lion season was seven months, and and they had bag limits, and now they want to do it for a whole year with no bag limits. And the reason I think they're doing this, Jay, is Utah's mule deer population is 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 in decline. It was at a at all time high in the late '60s of like six hundred thousand, and they're down to three hundred and some thousand now. And a Colorado study on the mountain lions in Colorado, which if anybody knows geography, is right next to Utah. So, mm -hmm. um, and Colorado is a huge mule deer state too. But they figured um, a, a mountain lion will eat one mule deer per week, and about half of those are fawns, right? And and Colorado has more mountain lions. Utah has two thousand, so you can do the math. Two thousand mountain lions eating one a week is almost a hundred thousand. You know, so that's almost that's a, third. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and. I mean, I'm even something like like a predator. I, I'm I'm hard pressed to just hunt them suckers to extinction. I don't, you know, and I'm not sure that's what would happen here. But boy, if you open it up for a whole year and and just put no limits on it, like the one guy said here, he's um, I don't know what what um, outdoor group or something he's with. He said he he's not too too concerned about it being open year round, but just the open bag limits on it is, you know, could you imagine if they did that here with, uh, with deer or something, you know, but yeah, yeah. I am. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm against some of it. I think it's I think they should take the bag limit thing out on it, but year round, yeah. they wouldn't have a problem. So year round you're okay, but I, I guess maybe a limit of, uh, one or two possibly per hunter would be, yeah. would be fine. Right. Yep. I would say, too, if we're speaking of kind of on the predator thing here, um, the coyotes up in our area, I mean, guys have been just pounding them up there, you know, night hunting, day hunting, mm -hmm. just harvesting the heck out of them. And, and they're still, I just, like I said, I was texting with a friend of ours, our neighbor up there, and he said they're just everywhere yet. 
Really? You know, because a lot of guys will road hunt them up there, but even now that all the snow, you can't really, you know, that kind of curtails their road hunting for them. So, be, I mean, I don't know if mountain lions can reproduce like coyotes can. I don't know what they're, what they're you know, how many they have when they have kittens or whatever, but uh, yeah, I just, I'm, 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 I'm somewhat against that. So, you know, and I, but I, like I said, I think the main reason they're doing it is because mule deer hunting is a big source of income for Utah. They have yeah. probably the biggest mule deer in the country next to Colorado. Maybe they're even, but yeah, I think that these big mule deer are going down their outfitters and the people living there are probably barking about it pretty hard. And, and like I said, if the mountain lions are taking close to a third of them a year, that, that's, I was pretty shocked when I actually looked into that and read that study. And that, I think a Colorado wildlife study actually did that too. So That's pretty significant. Uh, now we welcome back uh, Clay. We were just talking about this <laughs> Utah bill that uh, has opened unlimited year round for mountain lion hunting and removing bag limits. Uh, so what do you think on that? Good idea or bad idea? Well, I think it's a great idea. Um, people don't realize mountain lions are a pretty elusive animal. I've been to mountain lion hunting. They're harder to hunt than you think. Even in, in like South Dakota, when I was a South Dakota resident and they opened it up, you know, thought it had been really, really easy. I mean, they'd never really been hunted. It was mm-hmm. not. They're very elusive. They actually try to avoid people. So, you know, for every mountain lion they're taking, there's probably 20 that are not being taken. They're, they're not going to hurt the populations. And from what I can see, uh, as in Utah, Colorado, South Dakota, it was decimating the mule deer herds. They, they like to feast on mule deer. So... Uh, and, and I don't know what you guys covered while I was blinked out there, but <laughs> I, I think it's a great way to help start uh, managing the actual populations and uh, provide another thing for people to do. I, I love hunting, and I know Jamie does, so to me it's just another great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I told I told Jay what I what I think I kind of would be a little against is, is um, just no bag limits on the year-round thing I wouldn't really care about, but I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how... Like I said, I don't know how many kittens a mountain lion has. If, if you could just, I mean, I'm not to hunt in anything to extinction, but I mean, they, like I told Clay, I know you missed it, Jay. I'm sorry if I'm going to be a little redundant, but I, I think they're doing it in Utah because it is, Clay. I, I was telling Jay that 2,000, they estimated 2,000 mountain lions in Utah and a mountain lion, they say, what each mountain lion will kill one deer a week. So you do that and it's almost 100,000. Uh, mule yep. deer a year that they're killing and, and then like i said when you came back maybe you heard me mule deer hunting is huge in in, in uh, utah and, and i think maybe yeah. that's one of the reasons they're doing this so i think another good tool with that is is, is to make sure you don't decimate the population of mountain lion mm-hmm. you can have a, an open season with no bag limit but set yourself a harvest goal that's what they did in yeah. south dakota they sold as many tags as you wanted to buy which of course uh, increased revenues for game and fish but by a big margin Mm-hmm. And once that once that threshold was hit for their harvest gold, it it, it just shut the season off. That's probably the way to do it the best. Figure yeah. out how many you want to take, uh, what's a manageable number, and then sell as many tags you want. And kind of like the you know the first guy there wins. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so you uh, got extra dough tags, sell them out. Yep, That's there you good. go. <laughs> Let's uh, let's move to this Department of Defense panel wants to uh, prohibit gun and ammo sales to troops under 25 years of age. Uh, we should note this comes from the Suicide Prevention and Response Independent uh, Review Committee. It's a report that was released uh, this past weekend, and uh, this would only be on DOD property. Uh, when I first read it, uh, the first thing that came to my mind, of course, would be the suicide prevention um, even before I got to the uh, uh, Suicide Prevention Response Independent. But uh, I think that's probably a good idea. What do you guys think on this? 
Go ahead, Clayton. I'm not much for it. Um, you know, Department of Defense property, well, that means you're going to have soldiers uh, included in this. I don't see anything that, that, that distinguishes that it won't be. You're, so we're going to allow people who are 18 years of age to vote, be drafted, die for their country, handle firearms probably in, in the most trained way versus anybody, but yet you're not going to allow them people to actually have them anywhere else. doesn't even make sense to me, honestly. Um, to me, let them people carry, let them purchase them, let them have them. And you probably have the safest piece of property that you can have because you've got actual trained people there with them. Uh, that's my opinion. Well, I would say, first of all, um, <laughs> they can go off the base and buy one and, and commit suicide if they want to then. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know that that's going to stop anything. I mean, I, I see what they're getting at, but I mean, stuff like this has been tried and I, I just don't think it, it works. And, and, you know, it's, man, it's just, uh, it's, it seems like a bad idea to me. I, actually, like I said, it's, it's a good, good in thought. If they want to say, I don't want these military guy, young men killing themselves, young men and mm-hmm. women doing that either, but just, it's, it's just not going to do anything. And like Clay said, they're going to war and what makes you think of their practice. And then at the, at the firing range, they just want to take their, their M4 and turn it on themselves if they don't have their own gun and, and they they, they want a, a waiting period too, a four day waiting period for it. Um, again, like we were talking about last week, like like for criminals, stop giving them a waiting. I mean, you think if you, if you're already committed to uh, killing yourself, I'm not sure a little waiting period is going to change your mind. I, I could be wrong, maybe it will, but I I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with Clay. I'm not um, I'm not in favor of this at all. Well, it hasn't worked in states already that implemented their own waiting periods. California mm-hmm. comes to mind, and suicides have actually been on the rise the last 15 years there. Um, it didn't do anything. You know, you've got California, and I always use them as the example because they, they like to tout that they're the best in the, the utopia of gun laws, and they've got mm-hmm. some of the worst results that you've ever. Oh, oh no! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you got sniped. Uh, <laughs> you sure that storm isn't going on down there yet, Clay? <laughs> oh, I tell you. I love living in the middle of nowhere, oh. but it has its disadvantage. <laughs> AJ, if you don't got anything else to add to that, I actually got a few more things on some of the North Dakota yeah, gun bills. Yeah, yeah if you wouldn't. Uh, yeah, we've got about uh, five minutes here, so go ahead, Okay, Jamie. Okay, good. So, yeah, there's um, uh, House Bill 1339. It would take away the 30-day requirement. That you possess a North Dakota driver's license to, to carry in North Dakota. That was actually referred to the Judiciary House Committee or Senate Committee. So and there's a few other things added to that. It, I, I didn't get it printed off. but um, And then there's um, restoration of your gun rights for felons, not violent felons, but let's say you do like a tax, whatever they get you. Because some of these tax evasion things and some weird stuff, Clay might know more about it, that, that'll turn you into a felon where you lose your gun rights. That one's in a in a committee hearing too. I think it went to the Senate. That's uh, three fifteen on March fifteenth, actually. And um, yeah, they're, they're going to do that. To, so, so if you're a felon, which I'm 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 cool with that because if you're a felon and you did your time to society, man. I mean, other unless you're like Jeff Dahmer or something. Yeah, you yeah. Get your rights back. Yeah, I agree non, with you. To me, if it's a non-violent felony like Jamie is talking, about, I mean, it could be somebody who extorted you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars from a bank or you know it, it, it's white collar mm-hmm. crime generally things like that i mean you could actually be charged with with felony uh, reckless driving now that actually exists yeah oh yeah and for sure. you didn't do anything you didn't kill nobody 
So I think, yeah, once you've done, you know, if, you, if you've done the crime and you've done the time and, and you've paid your, quote, debt to society, mm -hmm. uh, there's no reason you shouldn't have those things restored, especially in nonviolent situations. You screwed up. Everybody ha has their own demons, mm -hmm. and they always deal with their own screw-ups. And to me, if they, they've proven that they're okay now and they've done their time and they're, they're a productive member of society, why not restore those rights? Yeah, yeah I agree with that. 100% on that if, uh, like you say, they did their time, they paid their uh, dues, and, and if it was a nonviolent crime, I, I feel, why not? If they're sportsmen uh, at heart, why not allow them to, to, to be sportsmen again? Um, yep. Clay, is there anything uh, else that you'd like to add before we wrap things up for the week? Well, I better get new internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, we got we got a great lineup coming up for Wednesday. I'm going to let Jamie talk a little more about that, and then, of course, uh, you want to check out our website, uh, gunsinthe701.com. And I think I have this figured out. We'll see how it worked today recording it. But I was able to post our In the Crosshairs up last week, and it seemed like it was received real well. So yeah, uh, kudos well, to everybody who went and supported that. And then thanks, Jay and KFYR, for having us on. You bet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so Wednesday night, yeah, I don't uh, I don't actually have the roster here with me. but uh, <laughs> well, I know we're going to go after John Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Number one on the list, John Stewart was he was going off. He had to sit down with uh, with the Oklahoma State Senator. I mean, it was almost like a Rich Eisen type thing. And so we're gonna we're gonna have to go over that. I mean, like I told Clay before, that every time they say something, we have to go over, you know, fight back on it. So that's gonna be number one on that. And then I don't know if you checked out last week, Jay, the happy ending. It was a pretty good one we had. Yeah, there. yeah. That's how was, <laughs> that's how I was on there too. And I think we got another story of like a state like Montana. Last week we talked about Wyoming, but Montana is bringing all these gun companies in there, making a bunch of money and. I just don't understand why North Dakota doesn't do that. And, uh, you know, we always got a bunch of other things, too. Second Amendment um, bullet points. We go over just some kind of short tidbit, tidbitty stuff on that. And then, uh, and of course, on Friday, we're going to be, well, in case you don't know, on the podcast is a live stream every Wednesday at uh, 6 Mountain, 7 Central. You can catch that on our website, uh, com, And we're on Facebook and YouTube. And Fridays were on Mitchell in the morning, KFYR, 5.50 at 8.40 a.m. And, and Saturday, actually, Jay, if I can get this in quick on you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I don't know if you know Scott Bachmeyer, Dakota Prairie. Sure do. Playing our friends with Scott. He's going to be in town, and um, he's going to do a show from, from my place here. And I'm going to be a guest on there, and he's talking about a uh, – um, Mont Baker, Montana, wild game feed, and they give away 110 guns there when they're doing this. So we're wow. having a guy on for now we're going to talk about, and I don't know, some other shenanigans with me and Scotty will get into on there, I'm sure. Well, very good. <laughs> well, you definitely say hi to Scott for me. I'm good friends with Will Scott. Do. So, so uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you guys again uh, next week, next Monday, 1230, right here. We're in the crosshairs with J.D. and Clay. You gentlemen have yourself a great week out there, okay? You too, Jay. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Yep. All right, guys. Hey, don't forget. There it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Catch up with you guys next you week. Bet. All right. Yeah. Thanks now.